Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. 
On today's show, we interview Dr. Laura Dabney, and Laura has been a psychiatrist in Virginia for over 20 years. She received her MD from Eastern Virginia Medical School and is a board-certified psychiatrist. Um, She has treated patients in more than a dozen cities across Virginia, and her expertise has been featured on radio, podcasts, websites, and in print media. And today we talk about how we can be selfish to improve our relationship. Sounds interesting, right? Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek, and Laura talks about how we can be the change we want to see in the relationship selfishly, and we don't need to be changing our partners. That's not a good pattern to try to be in. I can speak from personal experience. It's something I'm working on. So Laura gave some great tips to reframe the things that our partners do that annoy us and bother us and we want to change. Guess what? You're not going to change them by complaining. <laughs> no, it, you can't. You can't change your partner by complaining. And I think one thing I really took away from this interview is that you really have to look inside and, and see what is really bothering you and maybe how you can um, express that to your partner without them getting defensive and find a way to work together. So enjoy today's episode. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening, telling your friends and family, checking out our website and all the free resources. You can sign up for a 14-day happy couple challenge with your email. We'll send you daily emails on some simple tools and practices you can implement to improve your relationship. And as always, again, we really appreciate you guys. Enjoy the show. Before we jump into today's interview, we want to tell you about our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along. But we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. 
uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hi, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this show for quite some time because the topic is how we can be selfish and improve our relationship. And I'm only kidding. Um, (laughs) But I am super curious to find out what you mean by that and how we can share it with our listeners. Well, it's kind of tongue in cheek, of course, but um, what happens a lot when people come in to improve their relationships is they really have either a conscious or unconscious idea that they want to change the partner. It's, it's very rare that someone comes in and says, I have the problem, I can change, I can change the relationship. It's almost always, they need to change, how can I change them, how can I adapt to their bad behavior, something like that. Uh, so when I started realizing when I was helping people realize that they have the power to change. And since they're half the relationship, if they change, the other person will then be well forced to change. It's because the the dynamics of the system have changed. They said, well, isn't that being selfish? If I, if I make the changes to improve what I want, what I need, isn't that being selfish? Like, well, that's our jobs as adults is to, stand up and take care of ourselves. So you're the best part you can be, which is your part of the relationship. So give us an example of how that might play out in a relationship. Well, again, so if somebody is always trying to to change somebody else, that person is resentful and, you know, not tolerating that well. We don't want to be changed by people. But if, uh, here's a good example. I had a patient who was so incredibly frustrated that his wife would make comments under her breath. And he would he went through all these gyrations to get her to say it again, and she would refuse. So I'm listening, I'm here, I would like to hear what you said, please say it again. Or sometimes he'd get angry, and you always say it under your breath, and never tell me, and on and on and on. And he asked me, what, what, what can I do to get her to say it louder? And I said, don't do anything. Simply stop saying anything. She's either going to have you change your role. I don't even basically I'm telling you, you don't want to deal with this. It sounds like we went through that whole thing. He's like, I don't. I said, but then why are you dealing with it? If you don't want to deal with it. If it's something that's so annoying to you that you don't even want to acknowledge it, then don't acknowledge it. <laughs> She's either going to have to say it again or say it louder or simply not say it at all and deal with it herself. He was so blown away by it was such a new concept for him that he talked about it for several more sessions and I was so shocked to realize that that helped. It didn't help her. It didn't change her, but it helped relieve his frustration and anxiety about it. And soon she stopped saying things under her breath. And how often do you see that that kind of cause and effect where they someone stops that, like he said, stop asking for what she's saying and then eventually 
she stops doing what bothers him. Well, let me put it this way, because I don't really have the stats on that. But I can tell you that once somebody realizes that if they change their reactions or their approaches, that's what changes a relationship for the better. Nowhere has ever, ever been effective in changing a relationship to, to keep trying to change the other person. I've never seen that work. But isn't there a fine line there of actually communicating to your partner that what they're doing is bothering you as yeah, well? exactly, exactly. But How do you find that balance? Right. So instead of saying, how many times have you heard this where someone says, you know, you shouldn't be late all the time. It's really rude to be late. How can you do that? I mean, what is, what is wrong with you that you're always late or something in that vein where you're telling the other people, you're instructing. Sometimes people say, well, I'm just instructing them. I'm teaching. Them. Mm-hmm. But it all comes across as critical as opposed to what I would say, you know, we're saying here the more selfish way of saying, I have to let you know that I get really worried and anxious when you're late. So is there some way we can you know, stop this pattern of we set up a date and you're late. See how that's so much more, <laughs> it's so much more I-centered. We, we use that, That's been used a lot in the pop psychology, the I statements, but that's what it's saying basically is just focus on you, your pain, and what you need from the other person, right? Your needs, your pain. And then the other person gets to, as the adult, gets to decide how they're going to change to help you with that pain. And if they love you uh, and care about you, they're going to want to make a change because you're in pain, not because you've instructed them or taught them or (laughs) know better than them. You Mm -hmm. see? What if instead, instead of somebody saying, you know, when you're late, it makes me worried. The re like what it makes them really feel is just super annoyed because maybe they feel like it doesn't show respect or something like that. Exactly. It's whatever it is you really have, whatever feeling it really is, it's revealing the reality of you. And then I would not add the respect part because you're assuming that they're Mm -hmm. doing it because it's disrespectful. You could say, it's really annoying to me. It feels disrespectful to me, right? I I just have to let you know it irritates me that I'm in a bad mood when you get here and it feels like it just sort of ruins our whole date, right? So you can say it all like that, whatever the being that's where the whole being selfish is another part to that is we, instead of thinking, instead of spending so much time wondering why or trying to change them or all the, well, it's like your father, it's like your mother. She always does, you know, going down that path of what's wrong with your significant other. It's so much more valuable to sit there and think, okay, what is this feeling I'm having? What is it about exactly? Because sometimes it may be something that happened at work right before you got to the date. And it's not the late necessarily. Like, oh, you sit there and think about it for a while. Give yourself that time and space to think inward. What's that feeling exactly? And where is it coming from? Then you'll be so much more effective to know what to do about it, to make the next step. Yeah, it's so much more of like self-exploration and learning about yourself than it is trying to be critical and change your partner. Right, right. I've had people, patients who get really angry at this point, you know, when I am talking to them about the benefits of going inward and uh, affecting change for whatever pain they're having, uh, that they start down the path of, well, why should she get away with it? 
I, I mostly see men, so I'm sorry if I always say she, it could, could be he, but why should she get away with her behavior? Why should she um, not have to do any of the work? Why should I do all the work? And that's a really interesting take right there. It just shows how, how looking inward can be seen as such a bad thing. Like you, it's so much work or um, you're somehow letting her off the hook. And it, it gets really interesting when we start delving down into this whole looking at yourself and um, standing up for yourself. There's a lot to unpack here. And obviously a lot of different circumstances that we can take this approach. So let's say we look inward and we, we've, have something that's bothering us with our partner, we look inward before just blurting it out or communicating how we feel. And we realize we want to communicate it, we share it. And you said earlier that you're just sharing your needs, like I feel hurt when you do this. And then you said something you said, then your partner, you know, will change if they love you. But to me, that's where obviously it depends on the thing. But that's where it gets complicated because what if your partner, you're asking for this thing, you say, I feel hurt when you do this and your partner just can't relate or is like, I don't want to change that. How can both sides think about that situation? Yeah. And just to be clear, and I'm sorry if I said it wrong, but you're encouraging somebody, you're increasing the odds that someone's going to want to help you if you put it in the, in the form of I'm in pain as opposed to you have a problem. So absolutely right. So you, you can't control your partner, but just by saying I'm in pain, I need your help with this. Uh, doesn't guarantee it. Absolutely. But it certainly is a much more likely. It's like someone came to you with a cut on their finger. You're going to, you're just compelled to want to do something. Um, you know, if you care about that person. So yes, we're just um, giving the, the higher chance option there. But if you do, if you were to say I use, always use the um, template, I feel X when you do Y. So I'm in pain, whatever that word is, irritated or worried when you're late. And they go, well, I'm still going to be late. And then that's fine. And like, well, okay, so what's, that's why my next statement was, what can we do about this? It may not be that she has to change being late. You, they, the decision may be, um, well, maybe we just won't meet out in public. And if, if I'm home and have something else I can do, it wouldn't bother me as much or something like that. So that's when you have to work together. And that's the beautiful intimacy part, right? So you're saying, I'm hurt by this. They're saying, well, I'm hurt by the need to change and be here on your schedule. Okay, so this is what we have. I'm hurting, you're hurt. What can we do now? What can we work together on creating our own plan of how to deal with this? And that's that's the intimacy that eludes a lot of people who want to start out by changing the other person. Have you ever worked with any couples where the final conclusion of like this type of situation was one person just kind of needs to get over it? Like... I know there's always room for improvement and discussion, but is there ever any a situation where you've told someone in the relationship, well, you know, you guys have worked it out and come to this place, but you might just have to get over this behavior or this something to be able to continue in the relationship? I think that's um, pretty much close to what we were talking about with the first page night example I gave where that's what she kept saying. She's like, well, I, I can't help it if you can't hear and I'm not going to say it louder because you're not paying attention. So she kept blaming him and, you know, just wasn't basically said, I'm not going to change. And 
implying that he had to get over it. And that's when he had more options, which was to, you know, again, change his approach to her. So let's say she said, I'm not going to, in our new example, that she's not going to stop being late or not. Then he could say, well, okay, that's fine, but I'm going to leave before I get too irritated. So if you're, you know, I'll leave after waiting for 15 minutes. Then he gets to do that. Then he has to help his own irritation, soothe his own irritation. It's really like a superpower when you start to practice it. And it's easier said than done, but just the realization that we don't have to change our partner, nor should we, and that we can change our perspective and decide if we're going to be annoyed or not by our partner saying something under their breath. And it it's easier said than done, but I've found that when I am able to do it in my best moments, that it's it's really an amazing tool and it can improve the relationship. But uh, I would want to ask you, maybe it seems like there's examples when we shouldn't be overlooking things or that if we if we just maybe say, oh, I'm just going to change how I look at this, uh, it's actually maybe we're selling ourselves short um, with our expectations of our partner. Yeah, oh, right. Exactly. I think whenever we start going on the path of the only option is for the other person to change, we're definitely selling ourselves short. You you have an option in your approaches and your reactions all the time. And like you said, it's like a superpower. It's you, you have way more control and input into how you feel in a relationship than people give themselves credit for. Um, and definitely they sell themselves short to think that the only option is I got to wait around for this person to change, or I got to wait around for this person to figure it out, or I have to keep educating this person until they figure it out. Um, there's really no need for that at all. Um, I think people also don't realize that, uh, another two other options people have that they often don't think about is what I call a preemptive strike and a post-mortem. So the before and after discussions you can have after a difficult discussion or when something went awry, like you didn't maybe say it right or the way you wished you had or their response was overwhelming to you in some way. So usually after an argument or something, um, but people often don't, again, use that time not just to self-reflect, but to look back at the patterns in their relationship. As an example, I have patients who, I have one patient who gives a gift to his wife for every occasion. I mean, everything. Um, and 75% of the time she criticizes the gift that he's crushed. And, you know, they have a very difficult time going through that. And then the next occasion comes up and he gets her a gift. So this went on for years. And I finally, I said, you know, you, some way you, you just go in and you go to, you see the flowers, you think, oh, it's whatever day, flag day. And so I'm going to get those for my wife. She's going to be so happy, but you're forgetting the pattern of, I'm like, if I know there's a high chance she's going to be upset and critical, and then you're going to get back into this thing again, what's keeping you from realizing that pattern is very likely uh, and doing something about that. So what he learned to do was to, instead of jumping to get her something, he learned to do a preemptive strike. So calling her and saying, hey, there's these beautiful flowers in the store. I'd love to get them for you. But I know sometimes, you know, you're not always um, in the mood to get a gift. It's just something you would like. 
And so they were able to work out, it, it was more of a together decision as opposed to him deciding that this gift was what she needed at this time. That makes a lot of sense. And it's a great way to reframe things and prevent you know, issues or feeling hurt. Um, when I asked the last question, I, I think maybe I wasn't um, exactly clear, but I was, I was also wondering if, if we're taking the perspective of, okay, my partner's doing this, I can, and it's annoying me or bothers me, I can change myself. I don't need to change them. But is there a point when we shouldn't be doing that? You know, like that we shouldn't in a way just think, oh, I, I'm going to change how I look at this um, because it's just going to be degrading or or that we're going to, it's not sustainable to just always be overlooking something that might be a deal breaker. Yeah, definitely. We don't want to overlook, right? This is different than realizing that you can make a change isn't overlooking what they're saying. Do you mean as opposed to telling them this is bothering me? Exactly. Like, I guess drawing more of a, a, a line in the sand of like, okay, like this is, we talked about it on past episodes that we have deal breakers. So maybe your deal breaker is your partner smoking and, and, and partying and they're doing that, but you're like, oh, I listened to this podcast and they said, I can change the way I look at that. Well, maybe you can try to do that and you might in the short term be able to do it. But if that's just a deal breaker, you're maybe never going to be all right with that behavior. Oh yeah. No, I completely agree with you there. And I, and I maybe said it wrong. I think that when I'm saying you can change your approach or your reaction to something, that's a, it's actually doing something. It's not just saying, well, I'm not gonna let that, I don't need to let that bother me anymore or just ignoring it at all. Right. So it's just, if you have consistently gotten mad at the partner every time they've come home from partying and smoking, and that's not working, that per par partner's not changing, instead of giving up, like, well, I have to keep doing it until they stop, or I just have to suck it up and deal with it. You can maybe um, those nights, you know, go to a hotel. So you don't have to be awoken in the middle of the night with this or whatever. And Therefore, you're changing your approach. So then you're coming back in the morning. You're not giving, you're not, at least you're taking that argument and the disruption in your life that that person's doing away, away from you. You're, you're, you're healing your own hurt that way. Um, and maybe that will make your partner think twice about staying out all night. They come home and you're not there. And, you know, who, who knows? But my point being that you can change how you approach something or how you react to something as opposed to simply sucking up or um, keep you know, attacking that person. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Voting has always been important to me because I know how lucky I am that I am able to exercise my right to vote. But not everyone can say the same. Unfortunately, there are many people in our country that are being prevented from exercising their right to vote. We live in a democracy. Demand that your elected officials have the time to count every vote in the 2020 elections. Decision makers nationwide want to make it harder to get every ballot counted and voice heard. Don't let this stop you from taking a stand to protect your voting and civil rights. They will not silence us. 
Visit andstillivote.org to call your elected officials today to make sure every vote is counted. Paid for by the Leadership Conference Education Fund. BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor from the comfort of your home. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to leave your house. It's super convenient and helpful using BetterHelp. And once you use the service, it'll be super easy to know why so many people are using BetterHelp. BetterHelp is growing so much that they've actually had to start recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And it's not self-help. It is professional counseling, and it's one of the best ways to improve your relationship, reach your goals, and really just improve your overall mental health. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash I do. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash I do. I got it. And, and obviously there's a lot of different examples um, of having something bother us and, and communicating that to our partner. And let's say we, we take this passive approach and it's still continuing to, to really bother us. And we've expressed that to our partner. I feel hurt when you do X and, and you just communicate it, but then you're not saying, but I want you to change X. But it's just a reoccurring pattern that you continue to feel hurt and they continue to do it even though you've expressed that. What are some steps outside of outright asking them to change at that moment? Right. So then, so we talked about the preemptive strike a minute ago where in it, you look in, in advance of what is t- historically caused a problem saying, you know, I foresee this coming up. I see the holidays coming up. And as you recall, I get upset every year because you always want to go to your parents. So can we talk about this before the holidays are upon us about what we can do to make us both happy? So that's a preemptive strike. The other option is to do a postmortem. So if you, yeah, if you've been asking a person to change, asking a person to change, and by telling them in the quote unquote, you know, healthiest way that this bothers me, can we make changes here? What can we do? and they're still not making changes, then you can do a postmortem where, you know, I have, we have to talk about this problem. I keep bringing up that it hurts me. And you say you're going to make these changes, but then don't or go back to it or whatever the problem is. What, what do we, what can we do? What's going on here that uh, this hurt that I keep saying I have, somehow you don't want to seem to address it consistently. So it's just another way of saying you're hurt, but pointing out that it's an ongoing pattern. Because a lot of times what seems to be a pattern to you isn't a pattern to the other person. They don't, they have their own set of hurts and viewpoints. And some people say, why do I have to repeatedly tell them that it hurts me? It's because that's your hurt. It's your, it's your agenda. They have a different agenda. So you're going to have to remind your partner if it's something they just don't, get or it's not a something they can really relate to why that hurts you 
they're most likely going to follow some kind of a pattern to change and help you for a while, but there's nothing wrong with having to remind them. And that's actually very common. You, you, know, you can get and do that kindly, but if it's just constantly, they're not paying attention, you have to a consider that they're possibly a red flag person, right? Someone who doesn't have empathy. Uh, and you may have to make a, a serious change, like leave the relationship or, um, try again to say, look, you know, it's some, it, you're saying you want to help me with this hurt, but I'm not getting that vibe because this, that, and the other, they may go, Oh my God, I, 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 I totally forgot. That's something that bothers you. So it's worth to check it out that way. That's checking out red flag behavior. Um, you know, and see what happens. They might just totally be oblivious. It might not be personal or <laughs> they may have a lack of empathy. Then you have a bigger problem on your hands. That makes sense. And that helps me because obviously I was prodding this question because, yeah, the realization that our partners are not, let's say, you take this approach and then they're not changing. A lot of the times they're just they're not changing in spite of you. They're just not changing because, yeah, they don't either realize how much it hurts you or it their intention is not to, to hurt you. And I think maybe giving them the benefit of the doubt, but then continuing to communicate it, like you're saying is, is a powerful practice and, and still one that is empowering in that we have the ability to, to change the framework and, and maybe just to be patient with that process. Right, exactly. And that's, I see in couples when they're coming together, I've seen a lot of couples without the couple <laughs> with one person, but I do have some couples who come in together and a lot of times they're doing that back and forth where, you know, you always forget and you keep doing this and they're both doing that. And you're right. You have to sort of develop a mindset where I'm going to be a little bit more patient and give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not doing it to hurt me necessarily. They have some other thing on their mind they're trying to get something resolved within themselves or with somebody else maybe a child in the family or an adult i'm sorry with a parent or someone else in the family and they're working on their stuff so they might just be distracted and to give them the benefit of the doubt often fosters them then giving the benefit of the doubt i often say if just one person has to start this you, you, as soon as the kindness or the benefit of the doubt however you want to put that begins the other person then softens and will pick up, even sometimes unconsciously, pick up that same um, pattern of behavior. Can you give us some insight into why some of our first reactions is to to change our partner rather than looking within? Because I know personally in the past, and this is something I've really tried to work on, is I want to change Sarah, or if it's a family relationship or a friend, and I've realized all the things that we said today. So why do we tend to do that initially? Well, I think a lot of people see that as the easy way out. And again, I don't think this is totally conscious, but by removing the problem is a very natural reaction. You know, if your hand is near a flame, you're going to want to douse out the flame or move away from it. You just want to end the, the, the painful source. So it's a natural, I think, reaction in part to say, you know, knock it off or you got to stop doing that. It's really annoying or not even say a feeling, just, just change, just fix it. 
But it's harder to do that looking in part. We talked earlier about looking in and sitting with the sitting with the feeling. It, sitting with difficult feelings is difficult. <laughs> it's not a fun process necessarily. And it takes a little bit of awareness to, to realize that if I sit with this negative feeling now and really understand it, it'll benefit me in the long run and certainly my relationship in the long run. The other thing I find, Chase, is that in my practice, I've learned over 20 years that your way of dealing with intimate relationships is your pattern of dealing with intimate relationships comes from your childhood. How your parents interacted with you is that's your first intimate relationship. That's where you practice, should have practiced. Um, And I think a lot of parents miss this idea that when your child is a teenager, in other words, their cognitive capacities are building and growing and they are learning how to, you know, they can take better care of themselves and control themselves better. This is the time to start practicing with them what you want them to take on to their intimate relationships. So I have a lot of parents of teenagers who are, for instance, let's say you uh, are driving the car, intoxicated, we're taking your phone for two weeks. Okay, now you have your phone back for two weeks, after two weeks, and don't do it again. Uh, you know, that's really, where. how is that going to translate into a productive, healthy, intimate relationship one day? No. It doesn't, it, where's the conversation that you want them to have? Where is this, what we're talking about right now? Where is that? So instead, I'm always encouraging the parents I see to, instead of just taking the phone away, to sit down and go, okay, <laughs> we have to let you know this is like, it's so scary to us and so overwhelming that you would, and, and we're furious that you we talked about this. You cannot drive the car intoxicated. What the heck was going on with you? What happened? Right? You want to tell your version, just like we talked about in any relationship. You want to be able to talk about your feelings, what bothers you, get their take on it. What was going on with them? What were they thinking? What what could you have done differently? What? Why didn't you do that? All those discussions to get their wheels turning so they start thinking about this. You want them to think. You don't want them to think, okay, my phone's going to be taken away, so I'm not going to do it. You want them to be able to really understand um, what they're doing. So you work that all out, and then you, so what are we going to do going forward? Because now we, this has hurt our trust in you. We're not going to be, you know, (laughs) we're not going to want you to go to parties or anything. What are we going to do here? Who knows? The kid might say, well, how about I Uber for a while or, you know, I, so you work together to figure out that solution. Um, I have an example from my personal life that I mention a lot, which is my it sort of the opposite way. My son wanted to go to a um, with his friends to Italy to see stay with his other people. Some adults had a home there, and it was great. And he wanted to go for I don't know three weeks or something. And so my husband and I sat down with him and said, you know, this isn't going to work for us. You you you're, you have a job here. We want you to earn money. We don't want you taking the three weeks off. It's expensive for you to stay, go out there and stay that long. Um, we're willing to send you for help go for a week. He nodded his head. He goes, okay. I could see his jaw tighten and, you know, he pursed his lips. He goes, okay, that's fine. And he got up to walk away. And I said, come back, come back. I said, I can tell you're upset. It's not a good idea for you just to bury that. What's going on? Tell me what's what you're feeling and thinking. And so he goes, well, everybody else is going to be, it all came pouring out. I said, well, you check with your friends, see if they're actually are going for three weeks. And anyway, came back to, we agreed on um, 
10 days as a compromise. Thank you for that example. And I'm just thinking, you know, as you're saying that, how Sarah and I, we have a five-year-old daughter, so obviously this will be uh, super valuable. And yeah, how we model that in our adult relationships that, yeah, if your parents, if you just handled that, like, no, you're not going, or you didn't, and then didn't ask him about his feelings, he's not practicing introspection and, and getting in touch with his feelings and certainly then not even being able to communicate it. And then, so of course, when you get to an adult relationship, that's, that's the modeling you're going to have. And it, uh, it's a bit intimidating as a parent, but we're happy to have these tools, you know, to, to be able to do Stella right and give her a, a chance to, to be able to be in touch with her feelings and communicate them in her relationships. Right. If I'm with the parents, either you have one, you know, and of course, if you have two children, it's always one is the other. It seems to be one's the other one way, one's the other way. So the one I just talked about is one of internalizes. So I, I do not want him being in a relationship where he just says, well, whatever my wife wants, I have to do. Um, so right to encourage him to say, but I have the other one who explodes, um, you know, so I, with him, we're doing the opposite. We're going, okay, let's look, this is not working. This is, this attacking me is not helpful at all. Let's take some time. Let's regroup and let's talk about it tomorrow when everybody's calmer. Um, so that's teaching him to how to use the words when he finds himself out of control. Then he can now learn to say himself, okay, look, I'm, I feel like I'm about to lose it here. I'm going to go take a break and come back. Yeah. And it's a great way for us to wrap up with this, this idea of passing these skills on to our kids and or just realizing for ourselves and our partner and having empathy for ourselves or our partner, if, if you get frustrated by them for, for not communicating or or doing it in in ways that uh, that are difficult, it's like, well, they're probably modeling the skills that they got from their parents or did not get. So I think that's a valuable perspective as well. Right. People, I, I, these days, people are a little hung up on the whole, I don't want to blame my parents. And it's really not, a, it's not all about blame. It's just about the patterns of behavior that develop probably because they weren't taught. And it's really valuable to, again, to look at the patterns that happened in childhood and realize that, you know, you're recreating them. Because a lot of times when I say, look back, I go, well, how did your parents deal with difficult feelings like anger and sadness? They're like, oh my God, they didn't. And that's what I'm doing. So it's, it's very, it's easier for us to see the patterns and what didn't work for us when we were growing up. And that way it makes it a little bit easier also then to learn what would be a better course of action for you. Exactly. Well, Laura, this is a great place to wrap up. Uh, before we finish up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and get in touch. And if there's anything we skipped over or that you really want to emphasize um, on today's topic, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, I always like to wrap up with a please, if you need any assistance, don't, a lot of people feel embarrassment or shame about needing the help to figure these things out. Like they should be able to, but you know, when we're in our own heads, it's very common to not be able to see that. When I said looking back in your childhood, it's easier to see the patterns is because you're removed just a bit. Our biggest uh, superpowers as therapists or um, psychotherapists or counselors is not so much that we know everything 
uh, but that we are removed from your life. So it's easier for us to see your patterns. So it is when you come in and we can see the pattern and you can't, it's not because you're defective. It's just because you're human. So if you need this help, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. And you can reach me in particular at 757-695-3925. Love to talk to people about their problems. And uh, you can also find me online, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Laura Dabney, MD. Wonderful. Well, we'll have the links to your website, your social media in the um, podcast description, as well as on our website at idpodcast.com. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. It's great talking to you guys as always. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description, as well as on the show notes on our website at idpodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, It's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.